Well, it is good to be here with Effective Heart Change. We are on the Good Grief series, which, not to be too complex, but we started with the Let It Go series, talking about forgiveness, talking about how to let things go and learn to walk in the presence of God, the life of God, in a way that's full, rich. Then we went to the next series, The King's Seat, The first one with forgiveness, people who need to forgive tend to feel like they were violated. In the king's sake, we were talking about the violator, the the one with a critical spirit and judgmental and and, and the power. You're in the power position. You also have this thing where you need to let go in a way that's very similar to if you're the victim. It really doesn't matter which one you are. This time, we're on a series called Good Grief. It comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who grieve, for they shall be comforted. And it's called Good Grief because there's a way that you can do this thing when it's just pain. There's no longer victim. There's no longer violator. There's nobody to blame. I'm hurting. I've had a loved one die. Obviously, we talked about on the last segment that you could be angry at God, you could be angry at life, so you sort of have uh, somebody to be mad at. You're still playing the victim, but there really isn't a victim. It's, It's just life. You're in pain. How do I deal with it? The initial impression with good and grief together is like, how did those get together? Because uh, we don't consider grief as a positive thing for the most part in our lives. And yet, uh, it's one of those God things that he can take your grief, your, your heartbreak, your disappointment, and turn it into something positive. Turn it into something that actually is a good influence in your life and probably even is a direction uh, that that you will end up taking. So uh, look forward to bringing in that kind of light onto good grief. First thought was Charlie Brown. <laughs> so that 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 put it on a fairly simple level, and and so I I'm I'm ready to go and and go a little deeper in this. Well, let's go from Charlie to capacity. You only have about so much capacity for relationships, and there are times when God wants to move you from point A to point B. You need a Yes, that could happen. (laughs) You need a new set of relationships. You need different people in your lives. And most of us are in a situation where it's like, if, if the relationships are good, I don't want to change. I don't want to move. I like things the way they are. Many times we have to go through a kind of a death. We have to go through a, an argument with a person, or a person actually does have to die, or there has to be some kind of a crisis that comes in before we're willing to adjust those relationships so that we can hopefully go on to where God wants us to be. Let's just go with a simple one. I think God has called us to evangelize people. He's called us to share the good news of Christ and reach out and share his love, that means new relationships. Well, if my relationship quota is already full, that means others have to, metaphorically, die. They have to go to a smaller place. They have to go to a lesser place. 
those kinds of changes in our life, again, not about pain, not about suffering, not about something bad, but it's painful. There's a grieving that happens in those kinds of changes. That's an interesting picture. Uh, It's what I'm I'm hearing is that, that we're almost afraid to branch out. We're afraid to include more people in our lives because it's already full. I mean, I've got my quota of friends and and the people that I trust. And why would I why would I go looking for somebody else to to complicate my life even more? And that. I, I pray if, if I have that attitude, God gets gets me uh, aware of it, and and because I've I've learned to really enjoy the fact that when somebody new comes in, I don't they don't have to be my best friend forever. Just on meeting them, there's a process, but to be open to the process, uh, then I can start to see where uh, a grieving thing could be a good thing because it opened me up to a new possibility. When I do funerals, that's part of what I try to do. I try to present that kind of a message of this person has lived this life, they've left this legacy. The best way for you to honor that legacy is to grab hold of it, drink it in, make it a part of yourself, and then begin to give that away to someone else. Now, if there's a, not a grieving period, I'm still hanging on to the old relationship. I'm still trying to live life in the old way. I can't take hold of that heritage. I can't take hold of that gift that was given me that's now been taken away from me in a sense, but in another sense, it hasn't been taken away from me because if it's there, if it's stored up in me, there's an eternal capacity to it because now I get to give it away to other people. And that's, that is such a great description of what salvation is. Uh, we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, and, and it's ours. He, he gifted us with it fi- simply by me saying, thank you, I believe, and, and, uh, but then it's a heritage. Uh, like you speak, uh, and, and a, f- a, f- a funeral is, a, is an uncomfortable place to be because you're caught between, uh, between life and death, between uh, I have this and now it's gone. Uh, that, uh, and and, and we're, we're all uncomfortable with it. Uh, I love to, to experience a, a service where the life is celebrated and then the encouragement is given to carry on that, that heritage that's been handed to you. One of the best examples of this that I can give uh, went to the school Christ for the Nations studied there, and there was a guy by the name of Gordon Lindsay who was the starter of that school and wrote prolifically and was a great theologian and did a lot of you know, different things there and built the school around that image. Well, he died on Easter Sunday, literally at church, ministering. And so he's gone, and suddenly you have this incredible vacuum, and they looked around. Well, his wife, Frida, ended up becoming the CEO. She was a business person. She was a multiplication person. She was a fundraiser. She took the school places that Gordon could never have taken it. 
So if Gordon wasn't taken out of the way, I'll virtually guarantee you Frida doesn't step up into the leadership role that she was supposed to do. That's an example of what I'm talking about. Many times grief becomes a transition to something better that God has, and there has to be a lack. There has to be an empty place for that to happen. Another example of that is Moses. Which would be better? Would it be better for there to be 70 elders who actually did the work of the eldership, which he did kind of anoint them, but they lived under his shadow? And because they lived under his shadow, did anything ever happen? And the answer is no, nothing ever happened. And I believe that if the will of God had been done in there, what God says to them at the giving of the Ten Commandments, he says, I want you guys to be a kingdom of priests. Well, as long as Moses is there going up to the mountains, speaking with God, almost face to face, everyone else is standing around twiddling their thumbs waiting. Well, we'll wait till Moses gets back and we'll see what Moses does. The grief time with Moses, if the will of God had been fully done, would have been a transition to where many of the people did that work. But in that case, I believe the will of God was not done, and so you have Joshua who sort of steps in in the image of Moses, but not with his power. You don't have the right transition from one situation to the next, and many times in our grief, we don't make that transition. We don't see the will of God, and so we just end up with kind of a miserable life, and it's painful, and God, why did you take that person away from me? I'm I'm enamored with uh, uh, Tyler Perry right now. I ran across a book. Well, first I ran across a podcast and listened to it and was was blown away by some of his insights. And and uh, I'm I'm making plans because I in in the in the interview I saw he made mention of a book that he's it's out now. And so I ordered the book and started and read it one day. And I've read it a couple times since then. And I'm just blown away by the, the life I knew of him. I knew Madeira and all the, all the com- comedic things that he's done. I re- didn't realize he was a playwright. Didn't realize he was an author. Didn't realize a lot of things, including that he grew up in a really bad situation where he, his mother was beaten regularly, and he was too. And, and, and the, the, the life with dad was, was negative, and they, would, they seldom had anything. And, and, and uh, he's, a, he's a multimillionaire, probably a billionaire by now. And, and so the, the, I'm reading this book and I'm thinking people are, are thinking to themselves, oh, I'd like to be Tyler Perry. And it hit me. This isn't about being the next Tyler Perry. God wants us to be this Dale Leach, this David Case. This, whoever he made me to be, that's what he desires for me to be. And that's what we should be pursuing. And this, it's a process. Moses was Moses. He, he obeyed, he did what he was called to do. And, and they didn't need another Moses. They needed a Joshua because it was a different situation. And in that different situation, it takes different skills, aptitudes, 
direction, guidance from God. And, and, and that, that process is an ongoing thing. That's generational. And, and when, we, when we divert our attention from what we're called to be and, and try to be like somebody else, we're actually flying in the face of God. Grief done right is a transition point. The old has passed away. The new has come. There's a new phase. There's a new experience. And unfortunately, because we tie grief in so closely with death, the old has passed away. Period. End of story. There's not a new to come. And as I talked about, especially when you have spouses that have been married for a long time, many times there's a lot of aging that has gone on. And so now the person is like, I'm not ready for new things. I can't do new things. I don't want to develop any of this stuff. So it's no longer a transition. It's just, it's a thought. It's a, it's a horrible bump. It's a horrible crash. Yeah. It's a horrible whatever you want to say. And so grief is just grief and it has no purpose in it and it's no longer transition. But in Christ, there's always growth. There's always this moving up, moving into a different place. And so no matter what place I'm at in my life, if something comes in that, that is broken and ugly and painful, God has a purpose in that thing. And when we see that purpose and we cooperate with that purpose, grief becomes good. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall see purpose. We talked about that in the last segment. There shall be purpose, and I'm able to begin to assign meaning to this thing, and I'm able to vision it and give it direction. Grief is no longer just a painful mess, but it's, there is a hope and there is a future. I'm reminded of the expression that we stand on the shoulders of giants. And, and uh, we were created by the giant, God himself. And, and, and what we are carrying on, or not, is his tradition, his love, his mercy, his grace. And we stand on those shoulders, but we also stand on the Mo Moseses, on the go through history. And, and it's, there's a connection. That standing on the shoulders is a connection. Uh, we are where we are because somebody has moved us along. Uh, unfortunately, we move us backwards too. But, but the reality is the good stuff, the good that comes from God, is passed on from generation to generation. So there is a connection. Yes, people die. And, and that wasn't part of the original plan either. But, but that's what we chose. And, and so to recognize the, that connection is, is not only good grief, it's, it's, it's uh, a life well lived. And, and then it moves on to the next level. When we're face to face with transition, it is generally quite painful. And we can get caught up in that pain in a way that shuts us down, shuts down our purpose. So then I not only have pain, I have no purpose, I have no vision, no future. Now it becomes very dark, and that's where grief usually ends up. Mm -hmm. So we've titled it Good Grief. Let's take a moment, review 
this transition idea that we've been talking about, and then we'll continue. Well, we're back with Effective Heart Change, talking about good grief, and I want to detour a little bit to the classic stages of grief, which is popularized by Kubler-Ross, and others have picked up on it and done multiple different studies, but there's, there's five classic stages, and the first stage is denial. When trouble comes, we want to just plow on through and pretend that it didn't happen, and a lot of times with death, there is a, no, it can't be, I can't believe they're alive. And then the second stage is anger. You go through that, and then you go through a bargaining stage, a depression stage, and then eventually an acceptance stage. What's interesting when you listen to those, I want to put it in the context of what I teach for a little bit, and I talk about the concept of good flesh. Almost all of us have a faith in self where I'm going to figure out a way that I can be in control of life and press through this thing. And I want to I explore these in the context of that and in the context of grief for just a little bit. I know it sounded a little academic and intellectual for a moment, but, but let's start there. And if we start with the very first one, which is denial. The first thing that we want to do when there's a problem out there, we don't want to, keyword from the last segment, we don't want to transition. We want things to stay the same. If they're, if they're going good, we want it to stay the same. If they're going awful, well, then, of course, we want it to change. But there's this huge power of normal because normal, I want things to stay the same because then I know how to do life. And so denial is this thing of, I want to be in control of life. I still want to be able to manage life. I'm in that good flesh zone of believing in myself, in essence, virtually making myself God and denying my need for God. That's, that's the first instinctive step that you see in the whole grief process. This is the way I've faced it before, and this is the way I'm going to face it now. I've, I've got control of this. I know how to deal with this. Don't ask me to do something out of my wheelhouse. And not just the way, but the people. I want mm -hmm. the people to stay in the same box. <laughs> you can't die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want them to stay in the same box, not in the box. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's bad humor. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, but so you start off with denial. The next step that's interesting is anger. Anger, what I teach, basically is an expression of frustration over my powerlessness. So I start with denial, trying to press through, and then all of a sudden this change is thrust on me, and I have no power to stop this change that's thrust on me. So that normal human reaction, I'm in charge, I'm going to fix this, I want to have power, I want to have power over this, and I don't have power, so I get angry. I'm not going to listen to you, you're not going to change my mind, I'm doing it this way or it's the highway. But so far, we're seeing the theme of me trying to handle me, me playing God, me doing my life. And then the next step is bargaining. Oh, the anger didn't work. I'm smart enough to know that my anger's getting me nowhere. So then I go into bargaining. 
I try manipulation and control tactics. I mean, this is all so classic, but it's just put into the context of grief where I'm trying to do this with God or with life or... And all of that is designed for me to be able to continue to do life the same way that I've been doing life when God has said or life has said or what, however, con whatever context you want to put it in. No, it's time to transition, and I'm doing everything I can to try to avoid that and, and stay with my normal old life. We had a good example of that today in the, in the, in the group. Uh, a gentleman was talking about how uh, he he tried and he surrendered and he'd uh, done all the steps uh, and and the way he said it was I tried and it didn't work. That's a pretty good indicator. And and what you're describing is someone trying. First of all, they don't want to admit that the person actually is gone, and 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 then. They want to deal with it in their, their own concept and way of dealing with it. And when that doesn't work, then they get mad about it. Uh, that's me trying to fix what isn't mine to fix. Uh, mine is to respond to, to, to the death. Obviously, you're, you've lost something. Something's been taken out of your life. Then what do you do with it is the question getting mad and, and, and shaking my fist at God or everybody else isn't going to solve it. If I'm in that human effort zone, and I believe that that's the definition of sin, when we try to do <laughs> life apart from God, we're in sin. We're falling short of the glory of God. Sin isn't you do bad things. Sin is you fall short of what God intended. What God actually intended is for you to do life in partnership. So I'm starting off, and I'm going through these first three stages. I'm doing denial. I'm not dealing with life as it is. I'm doing anger. Anger is a huge energy burst on my part. I'm burning up natural energy. Then I go into manipulation, control, bargaining zone. Again, I'm heavily invested. Guess what would kind of follow that? If I'm burning my natural energy at that level, Depression is bound to follow that, so I've already burned up my energy. Of course I'm tired. Of course I'm burnt out. And then you add to that, God's trying to get me to transition. It's time for me to move into this new place, but I don't have a hope. I don't have a vision. Why? Well, I've been in all of these places, and none of them have worked. So here I am just kind of hopeless, no vision of a future, no purpose. Empty empty, burnt out, fried to a crisp, and then, we're talking death, add to that the emotional component. I mean, there is a very real, raw, emotional component here that's just burning the natural energy. So if I'm going through grief, if there is a transition point, and I'm doing it the right way, I might want to slow my schedule down. I might want to quiet my schedule down. I might want to wait because that emotional stuff just burns energy at such a high level. That depression phase, that's kind of like normal. And it's okay. It's okay for me to have a down phase. It's okay for me to have a quiet phase. If I'm getting ready to launch out on something new, I need some downtime. 
I need to stop the old. I need to have this quiet, stopped, meditative place. And we're not even talking pain here, grief. I'm talking about if I'm launching a new ministry or whatever, I have to go through that downtime. I have to go through that stop phase. Well, then if you add the emotional component of grief and loss on top of that, I've got to have this stage four. I've got to have this downtime because I'm getting ready to transition to something better. So what I hear you say is we don't do different well. We do not do different well. <laughs> if, if it's different than what we're used to, and especially the things that we love and we're passionate about, it's almost impossible. Well, it is impossible for us individually to just say, okay, uh, it's different now. I'm going to move on. Uh, there's, a, there's a process, and that's what that description by Ross is, is a process. This is, this is what you can expect, uh, and, and you need to go through all those phases uh, to do it right, and, and then you may have the possibility of coming out on the other side not only still uh, loving uh, what has been lost, but recognizing that in your own way you can carry on that tradition. You said we don't do different well. I've been ministering on baselines. The reason we gravitate towards normal is back to this energy thing. We only have so much energy to think about so many things in a given day, to make so many decisions in a given day. If I try to pollute my mind with 400,000 decisions that I need to make today, I'm just absolutely, completely crippled. Also gives us the impression we've lost control. That too. So what the way we work as human beings, you have baselines. I develop this thing, and it becomes instinctive, and I do it without thinking. And then I develop the next baseline. It becomes instinctive. I do it without thinking. When I'm getting ready to transition, some of those old baselines might still work, but they're going to need to find a new form, a new shape, a new way of expressing themselves. That all takes thought. That all takes time. That all takes energy. So if I've got the grief thing going on, the emotional distress going on, and I'm trying to do this change process, slow it down, take the time, breathe in, drink in. Depression is real in the sense of low energy. Depression is real in the sense of no hope for a future. But once I get the hope for a future back, then I can begin this transition process, but don't try to do it too quickly. You're going to be discomfortable. Yeah, the, the comfort level is, is what we go to, what we know, we think we know at least, and, and, and that's what we turn to. And that's our, that's our response is, I've, I've done this before, I, I can deal with it, this is how I do it. The reality is when somebody, uh, when there's death, and it doesn't has, have to be a person, it can be something that's important in your life to you, is gone, you're going to be uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable, your choices stay there and, and just... Be make, miserable. Yeah, be miserable. Uh, grief gets to be your constant companion, and then depression and who knows what else. But but the recognition that I've lost something that was dear to me, I'm going to be uncomfortable, is a healthy place. 
if, if you take it and move forward from there. And that pain can move you into a good place, good grief. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But to move into a good place, I have to go into the last zone, which is acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to change a word here. I want you to move not just to acceptance, which is kind of almost a passive, complacent-sounding term. Oh, okay. How about if we move into embracing, because I believe God has better things for us. He wants us to grow. I'm looking at the next 10 years saying, wow, what is God going to do in the coming 10 years? I jokingly say over and over again, when I grow up, I would like to uh, be X or Y. I'm coming into a zone right now where it's like I've, I've grown and I've grown and I've grown and I'm getting to see some of the fruit of that growth. And I'm not looking the next 10 years going, well, I'm going to decline and this is going to be awful. At every stage of our life, even when the mind begins to not be quite as sharp or, or the, the physical skills aren't quite there the way they used to, there's still a purpose and, and there's a communion. I, I, I write about this in the last chapter of Becoming Life Givers, a woman who was getting ready to depart from this life the incredible impact she still had on her family. She wasn't able to speak words, but her eyes, her countenance, every bit of her still was powerful, and it was powerful as she prepared to leave this life. Every stage of our life has a purpose and a place, and it can be lived well. I dare say that that's a radical idea. And, and uh, that was the first thing when you started expressing that. Was, well, that's pretty radical. But then I thought, the next thought that came was, God's love's pretty radical. And, and that, that he can bring you out of a depression, he can bring you out of any quagmire that you've waded into. But it's a radical thing. And, and you have to, uh, if you're going to receive that gift, you have to be willing uh, to go radical. <laughs> yeah. Consider things that you'd never considered before. You're saying I'm radical. I, I'm saying anyone <laughs> that that uh, depends on God. It's a it's a radical it, thing. It is a radical lifestyle. And, and 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 I think it's that's why it scares so many people is because I, I'm I'm giving up control. No, you're turning it over to the real control master. Then the Christian life lived the way it's supposed to be lived is not safe. It is safe because you're in Christ, so there's more safety than any other life, but it doesn't necessarily feel safe because it's like, oh, wow, you're asking me to do what, God? <laughs> the, the expression that comes to me is yabbit. Yabbit? <laughs> we have lots of yabbits when it, when it comes to turning our lives over to anyone, let alone God, and, and uh, uh, we're... we're yeah, yeah, I believe, it. but, and, and our butts get in the way. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> well, let's take a few moments to review these five stages as we've been talking about them and, and how they fit into the grief process. Really what I've 
brought so far is the whole idea that there's this good flesh effort for me to try to fix me. So when we go into the next segment, I want to really plunge into what should it look like in Christ? Answer these questions. We'll be back. Speaking of transitioning, I have a quote. You know, it's interesting that a lot of this series, in fact, all of this series, started as curriculum that we use in the Omega Project. And so there's a foundational piece that we wrote. Uh, What we're doing in podcasts obviously doesn't look, sound exactly like that, or we would be staying closer to it. But there's a quote from that that I really want to read today, and it, it says this. In a way, recognizing our powerlessness apart from God is the entire purpose of pain. I want you to just let that soak in. I'll, I'll read the next one. Pain should take us to a place of completely giving up control to God. Now, that line is incredibly powerful to me because if you look back at the five stages of grief as defined, what happens? I start with denial. I'm still trying to maintain power. I go into anger. I'm wanting to have power. I go into bargaining, manipulation, control. I'm still fighting the power game. I hit depression. I finally realize, oh, I'm not as powerful as I thought, and I don't even have the energy to fight the battle anymore. And then with the last one we talked about, acceptance. I don't like the word acceptance. Let's How move. about surrender? Surrender is a good word, but surrender still has, doesn't have the same feel that I want to portray here, because if we want to move from grief to something positive, surrender isn't positive to most people. Now, if you understand you're surrendering to Christ, and Christ has a better plan for you, surrender has, has a positive feel. Well, I, I, let me stop you right there. When I say surrender, I'm saying I give up. And, and that's a necessary step to get to giving it to God, uh, because I have to take myself, I, I have to admit it's beyond me. Grief, done well, should be transition. Surrender is absolutely a vital part of it. Mm-hmm. But the title of this whole thing, this, this particular program, was Face to Face. And the one thing that pain needs to do, the one thing that grief needs to do, is bring us face to face with the fact that I can't handle this on my own. That's where I like the word acceptance. That's where I like the word surrender. I'm coming face to face with this concept of, oh, I can't keep doing life the way I've been doing it. My old baselines, my old relationships, my old connections, all of that isn't working anymore. Something needs to change. Change is painful until the pain of, of living the old way is greater than the pain of change. I'll continue to live the old way. That's kind of who we are, how we are. So I've got to face up to this, and I've got to come face to face with my powerlessness to live in a new way. 
hear the voice of God, start drinking in a new direction, not just acceptance, but that's where I like the word embracing. When I move from just basic acceptance, okay, he's gone, she's gone, you know, Eeyore, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm accepting my miserable life. No. If you believe what I presented at the last segment, which you called radical, that God has a purpose, a powerful purpose for every phase, stage of our lives, I'm moving from just acceptance, which is pretty passive, to embracing where I'm wrapping my arms around this. And part of what gets me there is this understanding, coming face to face with my powerlessness, what I said in that quote that I think is just something to wrap your brain around. I believe part of the purpose of pain is for me to come face to face with my powerlessness to manage life and my absolute need for God. I think that's spot on because we, we have to come to the end of ourselves over and over and over again because, uh, yes, we are created by God. We are his handiwork. But if we uh, demand being the voice of that existence, of that life, of that being, we're bound to be disappointed. We're bound to take the wrong road, the wrong path. And, and uh, we, we need things that get our attention, that, that actually drive us to the point of admitting, uh, I did it my way, uh, and it doesn't work. Then I want to bring in another topic, grace. Grace, not the traditional Christian way at this point, because the traditional Christian way that's kind of evolved over the last hundreds of years is grace equals forgiveness. Grace, actually, the root word is charis, which is the same root word for the spiritual gifting, which talks about power. So now I'm not just embracing, I'm grabbing a hold of a different word, which is the word empowered, which goes back to what's, you, what's your purpose, what's my purpose? Our purpose is to walk with God and to allow the life of God to flow through us, to do this thing in partnership do this thing in sonship. If I'm back here at acceptance, I'm in a passive zone, and I'm not inviting in the glory of God and the grace of God. If you and I really believe in grace, if we really believe in God absolutely walking in us and through us, and the only way that's going to happen is to hit that, that powerlessness. Surrender. It, the five stages of grief. If I believe I can handle this by myself, I will. Badly. <laughs> but when pain brings me to the point of, I can't do life apart from God, I need his grace. I need his comfort. I need his energy. Now pain has done its work. It's going to move me into a place where I've now transitioned into hope. I've transitioned into a vision. I've transitioned towards a future, so I move from just acceptance of, she's gone, to, God, you still have a purpose. I still have breath. I need to use that breath to bring you glory. 
Here's a scary word in America, submission. We submit to the, the will and the way of God. We, we admit to ourselves, I couldn't fix this. This is beyond me. And, and your description of, of grace is, is accurate because we feel of it as a pass. Uh, I'll have to, I've got God's grace and so everything's okay. Huh? It, it, it takes more than that. Grace is more than just him saying, I forgive your sins. It's submitting to, to his authorship, not only of your life, but uh, for the best of the life is to his control of your life. I'm going to make the same jump. Let's move from acceptance to embracing. Let's move from submission to an active kind of submission that believes that God's will for my life is better. You say obedience? Well, obedience. Something along that line. But let's go the next step. There are a lot of people who are obedience to Jesus. I have to be submitted. I have to be obedient. No, I'm talking about do you believe that God's will for your life is better than anything you could think, anything you could imagine? So now submission just takes on a completely different tone to where I'm actively submitting, not kind of the way I see most people submit. Okay, sure, I'll go along with it. But it's an active submission that believes that the will of God for my life is better and gives me a hope and it gives me a future. Again, I'm back to embracing, not just acceptance. I'm active submission. Your drama there uh, brought a attitude was the, the word that came to mind. And the, okay, that's a bad attitude. <laughs> the, 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 the good attitude, the attitude that, that will is for our best every time is, uh, is that attitude, oh, I'm all in, God. I, I push my pot in. I'm, I'm with you. Grief done the right way transitions me to this place of faith, and it doesn't happen automatically. I have to go through the work. There has to be a downtime. There needs to be a depression time, a drinking in time. God comes to those who make room for him. You've got to have the emptiness in order to get the fill, filling up. So, None of that's bad, but I want to transition to the point of a hope and a future and a purpose, and grief done the right way will move you through that process to a much better place in life. A little quick back to the Tyler Perry thing. Uh, he described at home, he, he has a little light that he, that he carries instead of turning lights on and waking everybody up. And, and he talked about how you could only see a step or two ahead, but, but following that little light through, this little light of mine is going to make me shine. Anyway, by following it through, he could move through without disturbing the, the peace of the house and yet getting to where he needs. And, and uh, he talked about how that's, and grief is a process like that. You have to deal with it. A little bit at a time, uh, you you go through the the angers and and all the all the steps, and they're necessary steps to get to where you need to be. 
I'm going to come back to this quote in a way, recognizing our powerlessness apart from God. Let's put this in the context of what I've just been talking about. Recognizing our need for God's grace. Recognizing our need for God's in being involved in everything Presence. we do. If there was no pain, none at all, how many of us would have ever turned to God? How many of us would continue to turn to God? I mean, pain is the vehicle by which that happens. When pain is extreme, it turns into grief. That grief is that opportunity for us then to slide back into a lifestyle of grace and depending on God and depending on His fullness. Many of us are grieved by that because we're still hanging on to the flesh. We're still hanging on to this image of, I can do this by myself. But pain takes us out of that place into the place God has designed for us. And the fact of the matter is we revisit and revisit. We, we surrender and then we take back. And, and that's, uh, that's a pattern I recognize in my life. And, and uh, uh, sometimes I deal with it in a, in a godly way, and sometimes I insist on being the, the one that decides, and, and I'm disappointed in the results every single time. Sometimes we go back to the glory days. Well, that's okay. Be thankful for what God did. Yeah. Be thankful for the good times. Build on those times for the next times. Allow them to point you forward so that you're building on this thing and you're, you're building your faith towards a hope and towards a future. But sometimes people get stuck in the glory days and it's like, that's it. That's the high point. That's all they're going to be. That doesn't recognize that every stage of your life can be meaningful in Christ to have an impact even when you're right there on death's door and you're no longer able to speak, if you've built the baselines of Christ and his presence and his love into you, your eyes will still continue to speak. He's still there. Amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. You're challenged by it. The harder thing is to actually walk through the process in the next three segments, we'll be talking more specifically about that. How do I go? Step A, step B, step C. How do I walk through that process to where I live in a way that has a hope and a future? I hope you'll join us next time for Effective Heart Change.